Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. Hub24 is on a mission to empower advisors to deliver better financial futures for their clients. They're dedicated to customer service excellence and delivering innovative product solutions that create value for advisors and their clients. These are just some of the reasons why advisors rate them number one for overall satisfaction and why their managed portfolio solution has been rated best in market five years running. Hub24 believes nothing happens in isolation. So they're working together with advisors, licensees, and industry leaders to leverage their data and technology expertise to help solve key challenges in the delivery of financial advice so more Australians can access cost-effective advice. Welcome back to the XY Advisor Podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and today I am joined by uh, Neil Rogan, who is the Head of Wholesale Partnerships at Russell Investment. Welcome, Neil. Thanks, Fraser. It's great to be here today. Fantastic to chat to you. Now, uh, I've been quite excited with some of the stuff that's been coming out of Russell, the uh, the actual value of advice report that was recently released, and I, I figured that uh, we should definitely chat about it. Uh, but before we before we get stuck into that, tell us about uh, tell us quickly about you and and what your role contains. Thanks, Fraser. Well, my role at Russell as head of wholesale partnerships is really to assist licensees, advisors, and platforms with their investment solutions, but In addition to that, Russell as a global company has a raft of practice management solutions and and one of those solutions includes this report, which we've been doing for over four years in Australia and it's really something we're incredibly proud of in terms of supporting advisors and their clients and the broader advice industry. Yep, fantastic. Now, it's obviously, as you mentioned, four years in uh, through doing this report and releasing it every year. Um, and and it's, it's fascinating, isn't it, when you've been doing something for four years and you start seeing the results come in. And, and, and you're right, uh, you know, this is something that I've heard uh, and have spoken about uh, many times in the past, which is, you know, what is the, the tangible amount of money or percentage that a financial advisor or financial planner can, can, can provide by advising clients? Yeah, I mean... You know, we're seeing the rise of, you know, what I would call many armchair experts um, outside of our financial planning industry. And, you know, it'd be really great to have some of them actually join the industry as part of our succession and go through the qualifications and the and the exams and everything that our financial advisors go through. But what we've tried to do in this report is really help advisors and their clients articulate the qualitative and the quantitative value that that advisors provide. And that ranges from everything to to the peace of mind or what I would call the sleep at night test that that the clients get all the way through to to ensuring you've got the correct asset allocation. And what we found on an annual basis that actually seeking effective financial planning advice leads to about a 5.2% return 
over the lifetime of, of a client, which is around you know, 20 to 25 years. Yeah, now this is really interesting. So this is not just a 5.2% return. This is an additional 5.2% return, uh, isn't it? That's right. So if we go, if we uh, take a step back and look, obviously this is, you know, the fourth year of the report. Um, tell us about that history. Um, tell us about the, has there been any changes over that time? There have been changes in the in the figure um, and that's really in relation to, to a couple of things. Um, Firstly, it's in relation to you know, um, you know the tax and the, the 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 opportunities that exist around um, you know tax rates and tax advantages through the superannuation scheme, um, and clearly around asset allocation and markets. But if you look at um, you know around behaviours and and how how clients allocate to cash. Those things have remained relatively stable over over the last four years, and and the percentage amount has remained you know somewhere between you know four point nine and you know what are we at today five point two five point two percent over the, over that period. I think the other point for us is that we don't have a business without the support of of the advisors uh, at a global level. And therefore, this type of report is something we do at a at a global level, and we apply um, the figure and and also the various behaviours and attributes at a local level. So, I like to say we're a global company. We have global frameworks that we apply locally for the benefit of of our clients and and their advisors. I, lo- I love a good made up word, global. <laughs> Nothing like the creation of a noun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? Oh, that's how podcast was created. Two words put together. Hey, um, let's let's go to the let's go to the the, uh, the study behind it because it's it's uh, it's good to have a report, but we also want to know about the numbers behind it. And uh, I'm looking here that there was about eight thousand individuals uh, from a from a from a size of a study. Uh, as you mentioned before, you've got global research as well as regional and local data. Tell tell us about the actual study itself. Yep. So we use local data and data um, that that we have um, based on the magnitude of our advised clients, um, and we use that data to determine these numbers. And that's why you're seeing things like um, the expertise that that we say that that's actually priceless because. You can't put a figure on the education, the engagement, the the efficiency, and the enrichment that that the financial planner's expertise adds to their clients' lives. Yeah, I think uh, I think that with within the expertise, and we'll get into those um, those particular areas or you know those principles in in a moment. But um, there is. A, there is an area there that you talk about expertise and uh, and we'll sort of get to it then. But I think a lot of it is around that emotional, trying to find some tangible uh, mm. emotional growth, which which I'm keen to get stuck into. Um, so just just uh, when I when I look at the paper itself and I look at the report, I you know it's fairly clearly broken up into sort of five sections. Um, the, you know our five point two percent comes is made up of five different areas um, and we'll probably I think the probably the best thing to do is to go through all those but before we do it's sort of set out as a b c e and t let's just quickly go through what mm-hmm. that a b c e and t are yep 
So, you know, A is not really for Apple, as we teach our children. Um, it's actually for asset allocation and ensuring that, you know, the asset allocation matches um, matches the client's life stage and also matches the client's uh, propensity or, or risk profile. B is around um, a range of behaviours um, and and uh, you know there are a number of behaviours, and we'll go into these. I find this and the expertise two of the most fascinating things around financial advice, and I think most advisors would find those things probably the most fascinating. C is for cash, and really around how you optimise uh, what you're holding in cash. So that's the A B C. We don't have a D at the moment, but I would like us to have one one day. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll make e up a new word. Ex- yeah, that's right. We'll create one. <laughs> We've got a G now. Um, e is for expertise and the expertise that advisors bring to the party. And then T is for tax. And that, that's really around the, the tax efficiency of how portfolios are managed, but also taking advantage of, of certain tax benefits that may exist within the structures for, for various um, various types of clients. And that ranges from everything from you know, uh, the various government allowances that are available for retirees, for people in aged care, all the way through to, to you know, childcare allowances and those kinds of things. Yeah, now tax tax is a big area. We'll get to that obviously. If it was just tax deductions, then there's your D. You could have slipped it in between, but uh, <laughs> but uh, tax is a bigger section than just deductions. Let's let's kick it off. Uh, let's start with the A, appropriate al- asset allocation. I better make sure I get that word out, and that uh, that's that's something that we're contributing to one point one percent better off by by consumers or clients having or knowing um, that they're in the correct asset allocation. Yeah, I think this, you know, this is uh, a fairly um, fundamental piece of financial planning. And certainly when I joined the industry many decades ago, it was a rule of, you know, subtracting your age uh, away from 100 and that that portion of assets would go into growth assets and the remainder would go into to, into more more conservative assets. Um <laughs> But now this is there's more of a blend of art and science into determining um, you know risk profiles, which which sits around you know what client preferences are, um, you know uh, how long they're wanting to work for, what their current age is, and so really ensuring that you're in the appropriate asset allocation that's aligned to your goals and objectives, rather than potentially selecting the default. Um, can lead to a can lead to a yeah a one point one percent difference, which is you know in a in a very low return environment for cash at the moment one point one percent is potentially higher than the effective cash rate that we have today. Yeah. Now uh, you mentioned the the concept of you know the understanding the consumer understanding or the the knowledge gap that comes into that. How how important is that? The fact that you know like the, it feels to me like a big chunk of this is around consumers not really being engaged with their asset allocation because they just and they're just not knowing. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And and where the where the advisor can make a difference is really actually sitting down with the client um, and and having a conversation about what risk is um, and and understanding their various risk tolerances and those kinds of things. I think most people would think, and there's a study that shows this, that most people who are in, say, the Gen Y age group um, want, want their superannuation savings in a, in a guaranteed option. And, and is that really the best thing that they should be doing as a, as a you know, what's Gen Y, 20, 25 to 35-year-old when, when potentially they've got 20 or 30 years of work ahead of them? And so having those kinds of conversations and making the various trade-offs around um, having a portion maybe in a guaranteed option and a, and a larger amount in you know, growth, your assets and those kinds of things is, is a worthy discussion. Yeah, it certainly is. And, and if you're putting a number on it, because I think it's a hard, for, hard for that generation to understand that paying a financial advisor you know, a, a decent uh, fee – um, will return them such a benefit, but actually having that number uh, and then to be able to quantify that over over their life, you know, life expectancy or their, you know, their amount of time they have left between they now and when they retire, or when or between now and when they're likely to engage a financial advisor is is probably a, a, an interesting conversation for advisors to lean into having these conversations with younger clients. Yeah. Oh. Most definitely, because you know they, these these types of clients are likely to have uh, the great. They've got the assets that are growing, as opposed to many clients who are say the baby boomer generation who are, who are drawing down on assets. Um, and then you've got people like me who are in the Gen X. I call myself the sandwich generation. Um, younger children, school fees, and older parents. And so we've got we've got we've got school fees for our for our kids, but also um, the thought of um, long term aged care for for the likes of our parents. And again, asset allocation is important for for the, for people like ourselves, myself, who are thinking about um, those kinds of things and and how you can walk the tightrope and balance both. Yep, fantastic. Yeah, I don't think there's any argument amongst uh, our audience here with financial advisors thinking that asset allocation is important. Clearly, they uh, they know this, but I think it's really just good to to have that number, that one point one percent, to be able to um, add to their conversations, their their marketing, their whatever it might be. Um, and I think this report uh, certainly, you know, provides the evidence behind that. So that you know, appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get into the B. The B. Um, so we're talking about, as you mentioned before, a bit of a behavioural, you know, but there's a bit of behavioural science and behavioural coaching, behavioural aspects of this, which I really like, and, and I think you and I could probably talk about this for a long period of time. So let's get into that. We sort of we've got a two percent number uh, on the behavioural coaching side of it. Talk us through that. Yep. So we've we've you know we've determined a two percent. Um, figure here which is really a, a behavioral economic figure but I think more broadly you know the role that a financial advisor plays in this space is is really what I would call saving people from themselves and so so 
you know, being able to to actually buy when when assets are, are priced appropriately and sell at the right time is really really important. And one of the things many people do, and this is the study that we've done, um, I think in the report we talk about some analysis that we've done from really I think from 1984 all the way through to 2021. And it's around staying invested over that period of time. So it's quite a 36-year period, probably um, almost almost older than me, Fraser. This study, but what it <laughs> what it does do is demonstrates the value of being invested um, over over a long period of time, and and not actually. Um, and what I would the the phrase I'd use here is actually holding your nerve. And what what a lot of financial advisors do, and do really really well, is is assist people in in holding their nerve when when times aren't so good. So I love I love a good example. I think a great example would be something like Afterpay. So as a share, Afterpay in March of last year, I think may have been at you know nine or ten dollars or something like that. And so if I'd have bought Afterpay in December of 2019 and I get to March 2020 and Afterpay gets to $9 and I sell out, Afterpay today is trading at, I don't know, $120. So it's trading at $120. So I've, I've, I've stayed in. I've had my conversation with my financial advisor and stayed in the market. Well, I've made a significant benefit over that period of time. And I think that's a great example of looking at the fundamentals of where you're invested, what you're invested in, making sure it's aligned again to to your goals and objectives, and and sticking to your strategy. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've all seen the diagram um, when we talk about you know the the emotional investor versus the you know the practical or you know when when is the best time to invest and when is the when does everybody want to invest or feel like they need to get out? Everybody sort of feels like they want to sell out at the bottom of the market and they feel like they want to buy in at the top. Uh, and we all, obviously we know that's the opposite. Um, mm. Talk to us about, obviously, because I, I think sort of COVID's a really good example um, that advisors can can talk about. I think, you know, the what happened in March 2020 with markets dropping, uh, you know, dropping off a cliff and then the rebound has is a really recent example for people to really to, to, to bring home uh, when it comes to that conversation of when to buy and when to sell. Oh, most definitely. And if we look at um, you know, the increase even in first-time investors from March last year all the way through to this year, I think there are close to 700,000 more investors who've actually purchased shares. So I think there was around um, 1.6 million people who, who had uh, shares and that has increased by another seven hundred thousand over that period. I was going to say that's a very, very uh, sharp increase. Yeah. So we've seen, you know, people, you know, of all ages sitting at home, um, doing their their own research and and getting getting into the market. But again, these these first time investors, many of them. Um, are getting into areas potentially that they may or may not understand and 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 are probably more driven by the emotional side, as you say, driven by the emotions rather than 
a blend of both the emotions and the fundamentals around around what drives markets, what aligns to your goals, and how do you how do you how do you sell at the right time and buy at the right time? Yeah, certainly around that fear of missing out because uh, they're jumping in as markets have already already gone through their uh, their growth spurt. Um, talk to me talk to me about the the emotional the behavioural coaching side of a you know of because uh, I would have thought that two percent would be extremely high for for advisors who who talk their clients out of uh, taking the ten thousand dollars out of super at the moment when it was um, at the moment when it was uh, markets were low. Yeah, and I mean this is really an average. There may be there may be um, somewhere it's 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 significantly higher, and there are there may be others where it's it's potentially in negative territory. For someone like me, um, I'm probably a financial advisor's worst nightmare because I'm an opportunist. So I would be I would be the kind of person who would be who would be jumping onto everything with the exception of maybe crypto because I don't understand it, but, but I'm happy to learn about it. But but certainly someone like myself, I need to be saved from myself. And so I think my number personally would actually be probably quite a lot higher because um, I'm likely to probably buy at the wrong time and sell at the wrong time because uh, being an opportunist and also being potentially slightly emotional about about where markets are at and where things are at um, and reading the headlines. Firstly, you know, people sometimes like me don't want to miss out and therefore will potentially sell at the wrong time and then buy at the wrong time. And, you know, we only have to look at the headlines at the moment about housing in, in every capital city and every regional town in Australia to see that, you know, some people would think it's easier to sit at home and just buy houses and they would earn more money than actually um, having the, the prudence of working and saving and, and building a future retirement. Yes, yeah, uh, I think uh, I think of some of that messaging is also within the within the media and within the, the, the uh, there's a lot of messaging out there, I guess, when it comes to you know what's what's available and, and there's a lot of hype and um, but yeah, I think this I think this section of behaviours is uh, is a super important part and that sort of as you, as we sort of mentioned the first one the first part about the asset allocation was one point one the behavioural coaching is is around is two it takes up to three point one already um, better off over mm. over a longer period of time uh, and just going going back to this study of course this is a lot of over a longer period of time study isn't it Yep. And, you know, what you can't take away from this behavioural piece is the value of, of having someone, what I would say, keeping you honest with, with what you're wanting to do. And, you know, I know of many people who, who wouldn't, you know, buy a car or go on a holiday or, or do, do anything without consulting their financial advisor first. And I think... Those types of relationships uh, are those that, that those financial advisors have with their clients and, and continue to have with their clients, you know, are really, really deep and aligned to the, the, the financial advisor has worked closely with that client to understand you know, their behaviours, their motivations and and really um, be their guide in all markets and at all times. Yep. 
I, I was going to say I, I behave better when I've got my uh, accountability buddy um, next to me or, or, or keeping me honest. So I think that's you've, you've hit the nail on the head there with regards to, you know, having somebody to, you know, bounce those decisions off. So fantastic. Uh, that takes us through the behavioural section of the report. Um, let's get into mm-hmm. the C. Yeah, the C, which is around, you know, really around, um, you yeah, know, not holding the cost of holding too much cash. And and you know having that having that money you know invested and working for you rather than rather than um, having it allocated to cash, you know I could could talk about this for <laughs> for, for fifteen minutes, um, but I don't want to say cash is boring, um, but you know it's really around how you optimize the assets that you have to invest to get the the, the best kind of outcome that that matches your risk profile and having an over allocation to cash may not be be the the most appropriate thing to do um, and that is also dependent on the the life stage of of the client as well yeah cash has been really interesting isn't it when it's uh, when it's at below inflation rates and you know the the real return is in the negatives uh, and mm-hmm. actually somebody posed to me the question once does that make it a high risk asset all of a sudden Const, constant losses to your portfolio yeah and not not potentially aligning to to your purchasing power particularly particularly at the moment when you know there's a there's a threat of inflation and and those kinds of things that that may or may not occur but um it's really potentially sacrificing longer term returns um for for the benefit of um, of holding a higher proportion of cash, yeah. but again, yeah, for retirees, um, you know, there's a there's a reason why you would hold more cash for for those types of people. But for for those in the accumulation phase, um, or those who who may be ten years or fifteen years from retirement, um, having an over allocation to cash may not be um, the most appropriate thing for for their client. Yeah, no, I agree. That and in, in the report, there's words like you know the real return on cash and the real cost of cash and the cash drag. Okay. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, I was going to mention used. the cash drag, um, <laughs> which is yeah, it's a bit like an aeroplane uh, flying with its wheels down. It's it's understanding the 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 drag that that can have on your portfolio over time. Yep. And, uh, and this sort of breaches a little bit of this is, you know, education, but a little bit sort of feels like we've got a bit of an overlap with the behavioural section as well. Oh, very much so, because, you know, from a behavioural perspective, cash has always equaled security. We go back to the, the GFC um, in the late 2000s when, you know, banks had, had the, the bank guarantee was introduced by the the Rudd government at the time, um, which gave people a degree of certainty. So, in many cases, um, from a behavioural perspective, cash equals certainty for for many consumers because it's been ingrained in their minds over 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 decades. Yeah, so it's easy it's easy for us to to dis uh, to dis cash, uh, but you know people still like it. But I think uh, I think you, you hit the nail on the head in the report where you talk about it being a tool. Yes. Very much so, a tool and a, 
you know, a, a means to an end in some cases where it can be used um, for, for a level of certainty for planning purposes, um, but then looking at how a, how a diversified portfolio um, can meet both a liquidity need as well as a, a return objective. Yeah, fantastic. Now, uh, so that's that's pretty much cash. Uh, the the percentage on cash um, was 0.6 um, of a percent. Sort of that takes us up to sort of three point seven as the as the, as the number we're up to. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's get into the the next section, which is E. Uh, E's, mm-hmm. E's a funny one. It comes up with the uh, the exact number of priceless. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> talk, talk us through this. Well, you know what 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 I would say to this is that you you really can't put a value on peace of mind, and and therefore you know what value do you, do you put on something like that? Where from a from a consumer perspective, how you can educate a client in their financial literacy, so that they have more confidence in in many of the things that they're doing um, is really the first step in in sharing that expertise. The second part is around how you engage with that client, and you know research should, suggests that you know the engagement and tracking to goals and and having milestones along along the way actually leads to to a high level of engagement but also a high level of education with your client so it's a a twofold piece and then you know again the financial advisor's expertise in in being able to structure things appropriately educate a client um, and then engage with a client you know and there's regulations around that now anyway so that you know those conversations occur actually making that more efficient for for a client where they're not having to you know research these things they know when they can buy things they know when they can sell things they know when they can go on holidays and here we're saying that you know um based on the uh, on a client you know they're saving uh, a financial advisory saving at least 10 hours of a of a client's time and then so making them more efficient and then really helping helping oh, the the next one we talk about here is really enrichment and how how the the report in the report you know those who who get advice um actually uh, feel more enriched um and this is this peace of mind we talk about yep. <laughs> and the the whole sleep at night test <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So that's sort of uh, if if you're just summar- if I was to summarise the uh, the four different sections here, we're talking about education, uh, engagement, uh, efficiency, and uh, enrichment. I sort of also think of it as a like the emotional impact and be like as in before the client received the advice, they were feeling, you know, X Y Z, and and we've taken that to a new feeling or trans transformed it to a, a feeling of confidence or a feeling of understanding or security or as you said, peace of mind. Um, in that transformation process, I'm just I'm I'm super interested in this space because I love the idea of trying to quantify those um, from a you know from a perspective of you know because we like to try and put numbers around everything. Um, 
and just being able to say, if we started that, uh, you know, before you came in, if you were nervous or upset or worried, where are you, you know, on a scale of one to 10, where are you on that scale? And then maybe after the advice to be able to quantify on the scale of one to 10, how, you know, nervous are you now? Yeah, I think that's a good point. You see um, many clients, I I think, you know, who, and certainly I, I probably fit into this category that after I've had a conversation with with a with an advisor, I think, well, oh, I feel so much better. I'm on track. I'm doing the right things. I've been saved from myself again, in in terms of making a, a silly mistake. Um, and I can, you know, my wife's happier. I know the kids are going to be okay. I know my family's protected, and I know that if anything happens to me, that 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 they'll be okay. And I think, you know, I can't. Personally, I can't put a percentage on that, and I don't think many people could actually put a percentage on that. Yeah, that's right. And, and one of the interesting things I found in the report that, that there was a little bit of a conversation around, um, you know, a, amount of time, you know, uh, you know, saving time, saving for a client. It sort of talked around the idea, you, you know, by um, advisors doing some of the stuff. It sort of saves around ten hours of work, ten hours of client mm-hmm. time from a client. Yeah, I mean that's. Um, I would say that that's at a minimum, Fraser, that that 10 hours because you don't know how much time people would spend actually worrying. So so we haven't included in the report the amount of time, you know, clients would spend pacing around their house, looking at news reports, thinking about things, you know, at, at strange times. You know, often people think when they're exercising you know, in the shower or cleaning their teeth and those kinds of things. You know, the time spent worrying, this is more the we've quantified the admin time that, that sits around this, but there's there's time that would be in your subconscious that you probably we haven't calculated here. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And I did I do remember um uh I think it might have been Cordata put out some stuff uh, at one point that talked about how often people worry. It might have been like, hey, do you worry once a week, once a, once a month, mm-hmm. um, once a day type thing. So that's a, that's another interesting set of uh, set of facts. But probably something that advisors can implement in their conversation and or in their fact finding. you know, how much time are you spending worrying about this, this, and this? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then to be able to go back and ask that same question after the advice and then to be able to come up with some sort of a – you know, uh, a number that says, you know, we've been able to save you this much time worrying as part of the value of the advice we provide. Yep, exactly, because we're, we're doing the worrying for you. You don't need to worry. Fantastic. Yeah, we might move on. I, I can talk about the, uh, the the that section of the E for a long or the experience or the, uh, you know, the, 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 the expertise section for a long period of time. Let's move on to tax. Uh, the tax, we've got a real number. We've got, uh, we're back to 1.5% uh, savings in tax. Yep, that's right. So the real number here uh, is really around an aggregate across a, a range of clients that that sits around the, the implications of the, the marginal tax rate, um, particularly in the superannuation environment, which, you know, is a, is a rate of 15% on, um, on the contributions. Then we've got um, uh, around how the portfolios are, are managed, or the access to different types of portfolios, and then how those how those portfolios are managed, and also the components of those portfolios. Um, 
and then finally it's it's as i said earlier it's actually what are the what are the other um benefits that clients can get access to that in many cases they they don't know exist and so for some people there are as as we know in the anyone who's done any kind of pre-retirement or retirement planning getting the access to the PBS is like like winning Willy Wonka's golden ticket in um and it's a, it becomes bragging rights at the bowling or the golf club that, that they've been able to get access to something like that from a client perspective. And in many cases, that could be worth more than 1.5% to those that couple or that client over, over the remainder of their life. So, yeah. so it's really a range of, of things that range all the way from um, where the portfolio sits the kind of assets that are in it, the kind of structure that it's in, um, all the way through to the the benefits that that a client can receive. I love the analogy, winning uh, Willy Wonka's golden ticket. Um, it's kind of like a national pastime, isn't it? Trying to save money on tax for uh, people that live here in Australia. <laughs> yeah, very much so. And I think there was a line that Kerry Packer had one day about about paying tax. <laughs> There certainly was. It was. It was along the lines of, um, if you, if you blokes were better at spending it, then uh, we wouldn't mind paying as much. I guess it. <laughs> oh yes, uh, yes. Let's not get into that topic. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. If we um, we don't manage our clients' uh, money the same way as the as happens on budget night, so let's uh, let's get. So there's plenty of tax. As as you said, said that the main areas around that structural, you know, structural yep. and technical side. Uh, and then there was a great area of awareness and bringing, you know, what is possible that people don't actually know about. Yeah, very much so. Fantastic. And, uh, and of course, even though, um, you know, we're not doing a lot of tax advice, where uh, it's certainly included in, in most plans, isn't it? Yeah, certainly the awareness. I mean, yep, that's right. People can go to or clients can go to their accountant or or appropriate advisor for, for tax advice, but it's really the awareness of what's available and from a from a allowances perspective. But then uh, when you look at uh, the various structures, it's around understanding what's sitting in each portfolios to maximise um, those opportunities. Yep. Yeah, fantastic. Now, this report's fantastic. Uh, how can people get a copy of it? What's the best way for them to reach out? Um, yep, they can download it from the Russell website, which is just really uh, russellinvestments.com.au, um, or they can contact um, their local Russell uh, BDM, who, who'd be more than happy to send it to them. There's also a client version of the report and um, and a whole range of support materials available. And yep. As I said, Fraser, this is something that at Russell we're incredibly proud of in terms of supporting the broader advice community here in Australia. Yeah, fantastic. Now I want to talk about that that client version because this is obviously, you know, it's it's great for financial advisors to know this number, but you know, the best thing in the world is that um, clients know about it and consumers know about it. From a marketing point of view, you mm-hmm. and I both done work in marketing. You know, how do we get this message out to the broader community of of unadvised clients as well? Well, I think there's a lot everyone can do in that space. Um, you know, we're certainly doing a lot in that space um, through through the publicity of this report. But 
you know, advisors asking for referrals from their clients, um, having the conversation to say, well, you can see how I've helped you, how I've articulated my value to you. Do you think there's anyone else that you know of who who I may be able to assist in this way? And and then there's, you know, the, the whole media piece that around, um, you know, more of getting more Australians to get more advice in a more efficient way. And that that's everything from from us working as an industry collectively to dispel some of the myths that are out there, um, looking at how regulation works, and then more broadly um, how we can help advisors um, become more efficient to, to deliver more advice in a more cost-effective way to more people. Yeah, I, I like the idea of um, gathering the army together of uh, of advisors, all mentioning mentioning that five point two percent figure and saying, you know, uh, you know, over your portfolio, over a long term, five point two percent better off. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of money at the at retirement time. Oh, without a doubt. Fantastic, uh, Neil. Thank you so much for catching up today and coming on the the uh, the podcast and and talking about the report. Um, uh, really look forward to seeing this over the next few years and as it grows and changes and evolves and, and becoming part of um, something that uh, planners and advisors um, throughout the country can access whenever they need it. Great. Thanks, Fraser. Really appreciate being on today. Mm-hmm.